Um, I think we're going to do something just a little bit different as we get started this morning. Can we do something together as a church family? Can we all stand up? If you guys wouldn't mind, could you put a, a photo up for me? I'd like you to see a picture of my my dog. You got that picture available? Oh, what a way to start. That's my, that's my dog, Callie. And uh, I, just, I got a question for you guys. How many of you guys are pet lovers? Man, look at that. Pet lovers. All right. Here, okay, next question. How many of you guys are dog lovers? Wow, man, look at that. How many of you all are cat lovers? Y'all didn't say, woo, as loud as the dog lovers did. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We tried this in the first service. If you're a dog lover, I'd like you to lift your hand up really high. Just keep it up. Okay, now all of you cat lovers, I know there's more dog lovers than there are cat lovers, but if you're a cat owner, cat lover, I want you to go to one of these people Without your phone, don't take anything with you. Go ahead, let's move around, begin to move around. If you're a cat owner, go find somebody that has their hand up. That's a, that's a, that's a dog lover. Go ahead, it's all right to move around. Go ahead, go ahead, let's, let's move about. There you go, find somebody, there you go. Okay, now here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Spell the book of the Bible, Deuteronomy. See who can spell it to the other person. Go ahead, go. You got two minutes. Deuteronomy. He got it? All right, somebody got it. Deuteronomy. Y'all got it? Y'all got it? All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. Who got it right? Who got it right? Deuteronomy. The cat, the cat lovers, is that who got it right? You know, that's the, that's the thing about cat lovers. They, they just think they're smarter, right? Is that, is that kind of the case? I know that's the way it is. Anyway, well, good morning. It is a privilege to be able to have this opportunity to share real briefly with you. And um, I'd like to share with you our, our title for this month. It's It's Time. And today I want to talk to you just a little bit about it's time to embrace our identity. It's time to embrace our identity. You know, let's start off this way. In the, in the very, very beginning, how did it all start off? It started off with Adam and Eve who, create, who were created in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And here's the deal. God's plan from the beginning was to create a people that he could be in relationship with. And we all know what happened. He, he created a, a beautiful place for them to live, to dwell, to be in relationship with one another and to be in relationship with him. But we all know the story. Something went awry and that relationship was breached. That relationship was breached. And what in effect happened was that once that was breached, and here's how it was breached. You know the story. It was because of a lie of, of an enemy. It was because of the lie of the enemy of your life and of your soul. And the enemy told them that if they would do something they should not do, if they would participate and partake in something they should not do, that they could actually be like God. And that was a lie. 
And after that was breached, they realized that they had done something terribly wrong. The relationship was, was, was severed. The relationship was broken. And what they did was that within the environment in which they lived, in that very place that God had created for them to live and to enjoy not only fellowship and relationship with one another, but fellowship and relationship with God himself. Can you imagine God himself coming down in the cool of the day to just walk and to talk and be in relationship? That, that's like, I can't even really fathom that. But after they, after they failed and that relationship was severed, they did something very interesting. Out of what was in their culture, what, what was in their environment, they fashioned a covering for themselves and they made it out of that which was in the place in which they dwelt. And may I suggest to you this morning that ever since that happened, that we also have been fashioning something to cover the reality of who we really are and to cover the reality of the need that we have to not be out of fellowship, not be out of relationship, but to be in fellowship and in relationship. And if, if we look at where we're at in culture today, what we see all around us, and I know if, if I were to ask you how many of you guys are involved in social media at some level, probably most of you are through uh, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever, uh, Twitter, whatever, whatever mode that you use or utilize. And there's this, there's this compulsion, there's this something in us as people in, in our culture, in our environment to fashion out of the, the, the place where we live. We want to fashion something to cover who we really are and to project a false image and to project something that says, no, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm this. No, I'm not broken and I, I don't need help. I'm fine where I'm at. No, I don't need relationship with anybody. I'm fine on my own over here. Just leave me alone. I'm okay. And we're constantly putting up, we're constantly weaving and knitting and trying to put together something that hides us from who we really are, that, that masks who we really are. And I have used this example and I still find it very fascinating that in our culture, not only in the United States of America, but around the world, there's an event that takes place once a year and it's called the Academy Awards. Has anybody ever heard of it? The Academy Awards. And a person gets called out for achieving something and they go up to the stage and everybody applauds and they get a little gold image, a little gold statue. And guess what they get that for? They get that for pretending to be somebody they're not. Right? They get that for pretending to be somebody they're not. And if we're not careful we are surrounded with a culture that's constantly telling us, be somebody that you really aren't. Project an image, pretend to be something that you're not. Don't be in relationship with, with, a, with your heavenly father who really can define you and create the identity. So this morning, yeah, we're gonna talk about it and I'm gonna be very candid with you on a couple of, on a couple of topics, but it's time. It's time that we embrace our identity because that was God's plan and his design from the beginning. God wanted to be in relationship. 
Now, I'm not going to go through the whole uh, summarization of what happened from that time. You know, God made a promise to Abraham, and then after Abraham came Isaac and, and Jacob and Joseph and the, the 12 tribes of Israel, and then, then Moses comes on the scene. I'm not, you, you, hopefully, you know some of that story. I'm not going to summarize all that, but, but in Deuteronomy chapter 7, this is what the scripture says that the father says about us. This is what Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse six through nine says, for you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were numerous than other people. In other words, he didn't choose you because you, you were something special. He didn't choose you because you have something great to offer. For you were the fewest of all people. In other words, there's nothing special about you. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is good and he is faithful. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him. Isn't that amazing? What beautiful words the Lord has spoken. All of this time, and even I fast forwarded a little bit, God has been in pursuit of a relationship with his people. God has been in a pursuit of of a relationship to his people. So now we're going to fast forward a little bit. So after the time of Moses, you might remember if you know your Bible stories, after the time of Moses, Moses passed away and the mantle of leadership was passed along to a, a man named Joshua. Now Joshua was, was a, you know, he, they, went, they were able to enter into the promised land and God gave them territory and places that he said, I'm giving this land to you. Here again is the promise of relationship. Here again, what was lost in the original design to have a place to live and to dwell and to be in relationship, to be in covenant relationship. Here is God again, pursuing mankind, pursuing people. And he says, I'm going to give this land to you. And Joshua happened to be the leader that God appointed to, to see that through. And Joshua lived to be 110 years old, lived a long life. But look what happens after Joshua passes away. After Joshua passes away, we're going to jump to the book of Judges. Stay with me because we're going somewhere with this. Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. This is after Joshua. After that whole generation and everybody that Joshua represented, his whole generation. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger. I was getting upset and impatient if I can, if I can use that terminology, because he, his, his intention is for them to be a people, a special people set apart 
to have relationship. And there becomes this cycle of over and over again of doing good and, 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 and being in relationship. And then there, there's, there's, um, they, they get, what happens is they get influenced by the cultures. They get influenced by the cultures around them. In fact, we just read that in that passage of scripture. They serve the Baals. They serve the Baals. They would be influenced by the other people because the land that had been given to them, they were told to go in and occupy and take, take over and to drive those people out. But instead they started to take part. Now listen to me. They started to take part and to incorporate the culture of what God did not intend into their culture. And I would just like to make a correlation between that and what the temptation is for us today. We want the culture of the world and we want to say, oh, I love the Lord and I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. But we have the culture of the world and there's that constant, there's that constant conflict. So what has happened is there's this cycle that's taking place of people serving the Lord. And then, and then we fast forward, Joshua and judges kind of go together. Joshua and Judges kind of go together. So right after Joshua is Judges. And God rose up. There's 12 tribes of Israel. He, he rose up. He, lived, he, he raised up 12 judges. And there's some fascinating stories. The story of Samson's in there. The story of Deborah is in there. There's some very fascinating stories in the book of Judges. And you see this cycle over and over again perpetuated where people will serve God. They'll do right. They'll be in relationship. And then they're not. And then they are. And then they're not. And then they are. And then they're not. Does that sound like anything you, we've ever experienced? I mean, if I'm real about it, we, we've, all, we've all been there. So that's, that's the background. That's the background and the influence of these other cultures. And that was really the issue. That was really, if you want to pin it down, that was really the primary issue of what was going on was, was you know, you can't mix the spiritual and the carnal. They, don't, they do not go together. The spirit and the, and the world's pattern is, is two totally separate op- opposite things. You know, the picture of my dog that we put up there, I've had that dog. She's a rescue pet. We got her out of uh, Burke County um, probably 10 years ago or so. She's, uh, you know, I've talked to her so many times. And, you know, she has never once spoke back to me. <laughs> she has never one time said anything to me. And she's heard me speak English. I don't know how many times, but yet she has never said anything to me. She's never learned one word. You know why? She's in a completely different realm. She's in a completely different domain. And let me tell you something. The domain of this culture and the world is influenced by the devil. And Jesus in the book and the epistle of one of the uh, first John, I believe it is, says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to destroy the works of the devil in your life. And so here's the thing is what, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to let the culture influence you all the time? Are you going to choose to let the, let your mind be renewed by the truth, by the truth in the word of God. So that brings me to my actual text, believe it or not. This is in chapter uh, judges chapter six. So this we've, we've established the cult, the, uh, the cycle. Cycle after cycle. So Judges chapter six, and this is what it says. And if you look at chapter five, I I believe it says that they had been doing good. But here in chapter six of Judges, it says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. 
Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Do you see what happened? Total, complete annihilation. Now, if you have your Bible or your phone, we have it on the screen. I want to focus in on a couple of points in this passage of scripture. In verse three of chapter six, we just read it. It says that whenever the Israelites planted their crops, see, this is the thing that the devil wants to do in your life. This is the thing that the enemy wants to do in your life. Just about the time that you're, 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 you're starting to make some progress and you're seeing some growth, you planted that crop, you've accepted Jesus as your savior, you've, 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 you've realized that the world and the culture is really messed up. You realize that the pattern of the world is not cutting it and that something's wrong. And just about the time you make that realization and, you're, and you've planted the crops, look what happens. As soon as the Israelites planted the crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the other Eastern peoples, which represent whatever culture, whatever culture, th- those people would come and invade the country. And then here's the other part of that. Not only did they come in and destroy the new work, the, 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 the little thing that was springing up in the lives of people, and you can relate this to yourself, the things that, are, the things that God wants to do in your life that where the Holy Spirit, the reign of the Holy Spirit is watering it and something's beginning to grow and spring up. Wherever you've encountered difficulty or maybe failures or, or whatever it is, and, and, and there's that new life that's beginning to spring up. Not only does the enemy want to come in and tear it up, he wants to camp. That's what it says. The Midianites, they camped there. They stayed there. They stayed there. And the Bible tells us we have to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. The schemes of the enemy is to bring division, to bring disunity, to cause us to put labels on people, to look at people with suspicion. And the people of God are not to be like that. The people of God are to be a unique people from all different kind of walks of life. And that's what God was doing. We read it in Deuteronomy. He says, you, in Deuteronomy, he said, you are a holy people set apart to the Lord. God had a, a beautiful, unique identity. He wanted to give his people and to be in relationship with them. And that is where the enemy comes in and he wants to camp out and he wants to take that which God is wanting to do. Do, do you know what God wants to do in your life? If you could, the scripture says he'll do above, far above what we can ask or imagine. Every one of you here today, no matter what age you're at, the Lord has something beautiful for you. He has a unique identity for you, but for it to be lived out within the, the parameters of his purpose and of relationship with him, of purpose and relationship with him. So here's where it gets real. What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about this? And this is where, you know, at the end of our services, often you might hear whoever happens to be closing out the service, uh, 
that day, you know, we talk about, you know, what, what are our next steps? And you saw on video announcements about we have, uh, we have a, a Ladies and Trusted event coming up. We have, uh, we have a, a Man Up event coming up. We have, we have connect groups. We have youth groups where Pastors Tony and Pastors Haley are, are back there, you know, with those, with those young people on Wednesday nights. And here's the thing. If you're going to grow and you're going to, to, to take on an identity of the people of God, you've got to, you've got to live life with people that are walking in the light. I can't think of something more practical and more powerful than, than just that simple little thing to walk with people that are walking in the light. The connect group that I'm privileged and have the opportunity to facilitate on Wednesday nights, we've got anywhere from 20 to 25 men that meet back here on Wednesday nights. And, and those guys inspire me. They're, 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 we, we have such a, an eclectic mix of guys. I mean, just all kinds of different personalities. And, and I see the guys talking with one another and, and praying for, for one another and staying in touch and, and, and text messages. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's men that are, that are, have made a decision. And I tell them, can I be really transparent with you and, as a church? Cause I've told the guys this on, on Wednesday night. I told, I've told them, I said, you know what? If I was you, I don't know if I would be here tonight. Do you know what I mean by that? I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know if I would make the effort to do that. I'm just being real. Um, but the, and I say, man, it's awesome that you guys made the decision. A lot of these guys get up at five, six o'clock in the morning. A lot of them are military. We've got military. We've got, um, I mean, just on and on and on. But these guys work all day. And then here they come in on a Wednesday night. And, and, they're, and, they're, and I'm, I've been watching these men. And, and out, of our, out of our connect group alone, I've already, I already can see two or three guys that it's, it's not going to be long. We're going to divide and multiply. We're going to divide and multiply. You know why? Because these men are stepping up. I know there's some guys, and I'm not, I'm not going to call any names, but, man, I can see, man, they're ready to be all in. They're ready, they're ready for that crop and that harvest, that the Lord, what the Lord is wanting to do in their lives. They're ready to embrace it. They're ready for it to be watered, and they're aware of the fact. It doesn't mean that everything's easy. Doesn't mean that everything is going to go smooth, but they're, you know, when the children of Israel occupied the land that they were given, they didn't just go stand there. They had to participate in taking and occupying that place. They had to move those people out. There was battle to be done. And I'm watching men in our connect group that are, that are, that are, that are getting it. And they're saying, you know what? I'm going to be, I'm going to man up. I'm going to be a man. I'm not just going to, you know, work and do, you know, be a, provide a living. I'm going to be a, I'm, I want to do something. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing guys that say, I want to be all in. And that's why we do these things. These aren't, these are not extracurricular activities so that we say we have events going on. This is about community and relationship and life. That's the why behind we do it. And so I just want to encourage you to morning, this morning. That's, that's, a, that's a long plug for, for Connect Groups and our entrusted event that's coming up. But, but the thing is, and here, here's a real simple way to look at it. We take on the identity, and, and hear this, we take on the identity of what we're around the most. If you're around people that are negative and want to bring division and complain about stuff, if you allow yourself to be around people like that, you're going you're gonna to begin to take on an identity like that. You don't want to be that kind of person. Wouldn't you rather be the person that champions something that says, yeah, I'll do that. I'll help out with that. 
I'll be a part of that. And so we, we take on the, the kinds of identity that we take on are the things that we're around the most. I, I tell young, young, younger men all the time, one of the most powerful and practical things. And, and if you're a young person out here this morning and you're wrestling and you're this, that way, and you're in, you're in that cycle and you're, you're, you're here and you're there and you're, and, or if you're an adult, it don't matter. Maybe you're new. I know I, I was talking to someone just recently that was a, a, an adult pretty new Christian and, and man, this guy, he's, he's walking it out. But one of the most powerful things that happened to me as a young person was that I made the conscious intentional decision that I'm going to walk with people that are walking in the light. It's so simple, but it's so powerful. Walk with people that are walking in the light. If you hang around with people that have a lot of tattoos, there's a good chance you're going to end up getting a tattoo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Nothing wrong with tattoos. You get the point. You're going to emulate the kind of things that you're around the most. Matter of fact, let me, let me, use, a, let me use this as an illustration. Um, my wife and I, my beautiful bride sitting here on the front row, uh, we've been married for, for over 30 years. I know that's hard to believe, but we've been married for over 30 years. And have you ever noticed sometimes that married couples that have been married for a long time, that mystery takes place, that oneness takes place where that after a period of time that they begin to take on an identity as a oneness, as a, as a couple. Does that make sense? Like for instance, you know, see pastor Tony and pastor Haley. I see them as pastors, Tony and Haley. You know, I see, you know, I see, you know what I'm saying? I see, I see brother Vicky and brother, sister Vicky and brother Bernard. And I see, I got that backwards. Sorry about that. I see, I see people, I see, I see them, identify them with the unique identity that they have, but that takes time and cultivation. In fact, I heard it, I heard it said this way, quick little departure, that relationships, especially marriage, uh, and we have a great pastoral counselor over here, by the way, Pastor, Pastor Mike Clary. Maybe you can back me up on this, Pastor Mike, that marriage relationships are psychological. Would you agree with that? psychological like this one is psycho <laughs> let that sink in just for a second so so one is psycho right and and one is logical so i don't know who's who i don't know if you're no no don't raise your hand okay i know all the logical people are raising their hands right now i got i got that but, but that's the thing is that we, we, take on, we take on an identity, you know, and it doesn't happen quickly. Your walk with the Lord, the strength that you have in Jesus isn't something that's going to take place quickly. I don't have the time, the time to go into the, the parable of the sower. Actually, I like the way some Bibles call it the parable of the soils because what you're planted in is what really matters, where you're doing life, you know, and I talked about walking and living in the light, the light of the Holy Spirit and the reign of the Holy Spirit coming down will cause you to grow strong in the Lord. And it's a process of time. You know, it's, there's something, it's something about romanticizing like some great feat about climbing Mount Everest. And you, you look up there, do I have any people that love adventures? 
Anybody love, love just adventures? You know, you, you, anybody ever done any hiking or mountain climbing or anything like that? So, you, you, you know, you look at it in a brochure, you, you Google it or whatever, and you see, the, you see these people and you see that, that mountain peak. But you know what? To get to that beautiful peak up there to accomplish that, you got that mountain to go up, right? And I remember seeing one time on a documentary that mountain climbers and mountain hikers, I, I never noticed it, but if you ever think about it, you ever see them walking up a hill? They, they, they look like they're going like this. They do that on purpose. They take little bitty tiny steps because it, it's not as, t- can you imagine you ever try to walk up a hill with big steps? Man, it will wear you out. But if you just take those small little steps and you just keep on, you keep doing life with your community. You keep, you stay connected in a connect group. You you go to the you go to the uh, man up event. You go to the ladies and trust event. You you know why? Because you take you realize there's a value associated with that. This is part of this is part of what's creating an identity in me as a as a person in the kingdom of God. Am I connecting that okay? I hope I'm not being mean about it. I'm trying to. Am I being all right? Okay. I'm trying to be nice. Okay. So. So that's, that's about identity. Jesus wants us to have an identity that identifies with him. Now, I've got a really interesting video that I ran across that also kind of connects with this. And uh, no? Oh, really? Okay. Let me know if y'all are able to, let me know if y'all are able to get that, get that to work. And then uh, give, me a, give me a thumbs up back there if, if that works out. We showed it in the first service. Um, so after, after the video, I was going to talk a little bit about the fact of the identity of our church. We have, if I, and I don't have the questions for the, for the, uh, the screen, but if I were to put up the questions, um, you know, what kind of church is New Hope? Do you think of it as a a fun church, a happy church, uh, a young church, a middle-aged church, an older church? You know, what, 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 what is New Hope? Well, I would, I, would offer one, I would offer one thing about that. When, when I look around New Hope and when I have the opportunity from my vantage point and my viewpoint, I see a beautiful representation of the kingdom of God because we have a lot of diversity. We have a lot of diversity. And I would say probably, I, I, I've not been to very many other churches in the area, but I would say we're probably one of the more diverse churches in the CSRA. I mean, would, would you, some of y'all may know better than I do. Would you, would you agree with that? And so that, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing because it's a kingdom representation, kingdom representation. And we have an opportunity in the, in, the, in the culture that we live in. And can we just be really real about it, really honest about it? There's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of conflict. There's a lot of things that are going on that are confusing and that, that are going on out there. And it, and, but we've got to make sure that we, stay, that we stay firmly established within the parameters of the way that we're supposed to function as the kingdom of, of heaven and the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, let me, let me read this. Uh, this is in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses one. I'm not going to read all of it, but just follow me along. Follow along with me in First Peter chapter two. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, 
hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into your, into your salvation. We just talked about that. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And then it goes on to say that as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're living stones. We're living stones and and we get to come together from all different walks of life, all kinds of different backgrounds. And God is building something in our midst. God is building something in our midst. And lastly, I'm going to close with this passage of scripture. If you'll turn with me in first Corinthians chapter 13, First Corinthians chapter 13. And on, even though the video is not working, it was a video about how that we tend to, to label people. We tend to label people rather than operate and function and realize that we're all, we're all, we're all people. We're all people. And it's not to say that there's not, there's not stuff going on that's wrong or there's not, that, that there's not injustices in the world. And there's not the, but here's the big question is what do we do? What are we going to do? It's the, it's the elephant in the room. There's all kind of tension in culture and in the world. But as a people of God, that's, 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 challenged and given the opportunity to be a unique people. I'm asking you that question. What are we going to do? How, how do we, how do we not react, but how rather do we respond? And so we'll close, we'll close with this first Corinthians chapter 13 verses four through seven. You probably are familiar with it. And I'm going to insert, I'm going to insert a phrase into this. Okay. So I'm, I'm taking a little liberty here, but you'll see where I'm going with this in, in this culture, love is patient. In this, in this culture of people being polarized into different groups, love is kind. This is the way the people of God should behave. In this culture, love does not envy. In this culture, love does not boast. In this culture, love is not proud. In this culture, love does not dishonor others. In this culture, love is not self-seeking and it is not easily angered and it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always preserves. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always preserves. Would you stand with me this morning? Just want to close with this. We've talked about two aspects, the unique identity the Lord wants wants you to have in Christ. It's only done through the redemption of the blood of Jesus. That's it's not going to be anything that you can muster out of your own 
self-will or, or out of the, you're not going to pull anything out of culture that's going to make everything okay. It's the redeeming redemption of Jesus Christ. So if you would bow your heads with me, we're going to close in just, a, just in about five minutes. We'll be, we'll be done. If you would bow your heads with me, I'm going to ask you, if you're here today and you've been confused or you're frustrated or you've been affected by the culture and it has skewed your view of what it even means to be a believer or walk as a Christian, or maybe you're here today and you haven't even accepted the fact that there is a truth, the truth, the way, the life, and that is Jesus Christ and him alone. Maybe you've not put your faith in that. I'm just going to simply, and I promise, we're not going to ask you to come up here or anything like that. I just want you to do this real quick. On a count of three, I want you to just raise your hand up. One, two, three. Raise your hands up really high. Okay. Wow. All right. You can put them back down. And it was similar in the first service, so many people. And I just want us to pray together. And, and, and all my brothers and sisters that are, that are walking with the Lord, let's all pray together. Lord, I thank you for this day today. And Lord, I thank you for the challenge of your word. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that here we are in 2018 and you have pursued us, pursued us, pursued us to be in relationship, to be a unique people set apart to have relationship and fellowship with you. It doesn't mean that everything goes perfect in our lives, but it means we're redeemed and we have hope and we have a savior, we have help. And there may not be a formula for everything, but there's a relationship. There may not be a formula for anything, but there's a relationship for everything. And Lord, thank you for putting people in our lives, even those that are standing next to us this morning that we get to, to live life with as believers that represent such a beautiful array of, 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 of backgrounds and stories. So Lord, we pray together over every hand that went up where there's been disillusion or frustration or hurt or, or whatever it is, Lord. We just pray and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come in. Lord, every situation is unique in its own way. Uniquely operate and work in every one of these lives, whether it's a person, a family, whatever it is, I ask you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, right now, to just begin to bring about change and hope in every life that's represented here this morning. And Lord, we just want to say to you today, we look to you. You're the author. You're the finisher. You're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the author and the finisher of our faith. And we look to you today and we put our hope and our trust in you. We thank you for your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone said, amen. God bless you. God bless you, Pastor Bowen.